I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Kelsey. Yeah. What are your thoughts so, so far? Quick. Okay. Well, I was going to say quick housekeeping. Um, yeah. We are going to start releasing on Tuesdays. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because of our mishap with episode one, we couldn't get the dang thing to upload on Monday. So we just, it went on Tuesday and that's fine. Um, well, actually, yeah, I think yeah, when technology was not our friend yesterday. Yeah. No, it, it wasn't even, yeah, nope, not even a little bit. And so then we were thinking about how now we're doing this mini-sode and this is getting released at the end of the week. So then Monday was going to be like right on top of this getting dropped the bonus or whatever we're calling this mm-hmm. and so yeah so we were like this is dumb let's just switch it to tuesday besides like monday it's like a crappy day of the week anyway uh people are busy and we noticed that most listens come in on tuesday or Wednesdays anyway. so now when you wake sure. up on tuesday morning it'll still be there <laughs> so get get used to a little change but yeah no we are we're gonna monday monday we were having we were having some serious tech issues on monday so i I appreciate your patience. I know Kelsey does too, because it was I was I was a little frustrated trying to get it together and get it out for everybody. So I do apologize. So we decided it's, that we just hate Mondays now. So now we release yeah. on Tuesdays. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. For Crescent, for Crescent City. Crescent City comes out on Tuesdays. <laughs> what is that? We wear pink on Wednesday. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the meaning. Maybe we'll have thrown a glass Thursdays. I don't know. We'll oh, I'm into it. Let's do a whole fucking thing. <laughs> whole fucking thing. Started out as Massive Fan Monday, and now it's going to be Crescent City Tuesday. I don't know how to make that work, but it is what it is. And then, yeah, thrown a glass Thursday. Yeah, exactly. We'll get there. Don't worry, maybe, everybody. Maybe we will one get day there. we'll cover other fay related topics on Friday. We'll see. <laughs> hey, you never know with us. <laughs> We're going to keep you guys on your toes. I promise. Anyway. Make it fun in the process. Exactly. Anyway, all of that to say, um, we're going to go ahead and get into it. So this podcast is not for little ears. Nope. Not not in the slightest. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yep. So chapter six. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) But you guys can't see the look we just gave each other. (laughs) Right. Uh, yeah, sometimes I wish this was a visual format. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we'll surprise you all one day and do a, a video <laughs> podcast and you all there can actually see our smiling faces when we talk to one another. Yeah, mostly God my you all. <laughs> yeah, You can see all the crazy expressions or I hold my face and cover my eyes and just kind of go, oh, dear God. Um, yeah, so hang in there. Have fun. Enjoy. So chapter six. We immediately so meet one of our favorite characters. <laughs> well, yeah, we actually meet two of them. No, but at the top of this page, literally, I we immediately, immediately. <laughs> well, we meet a new character, and for the first time yeah, ever, Sarah J. Mass. Well, fair. Here's the thing: Sarah J. Mass wrote this from a totally different character's point of view, but there's no you don't realize it until literally you get into kind of the second sentence, and then you're like, oh, oh. So it's kind of nice because all of a sudden you're seeing this through other people's eyes, not just Bryce's. Right. That's kind of cool. Um, and the character we're introduced to, his name is Isaiah Tiberian. And, and I find out. Okay. I'll tell you why. It's really dumb, but I'll tell you why. <laughs> I like Hunt. 
but we'll get there. Well, yeah, I'm not saying I don't. I'm saying when it got to the point that made me giggle, this is why I enjoy him. <laughs> Kim's giving me side eye. <laughs> Kim's read the book, both of them. I'm not saying, this is the thing. When I say I love somebody, Kim thinks that like I'm going to be disappointed when they act like jackasses later. I don't care. I just think they're amusing as fuck. <laughs> he is. He's very funny in this part of it. I agree. That's what I'm saying. That's all I care about. I mean, I would really hate to be getting introduced to a character that was boring me to tears. <laughs> so my point is just I thoroughly enjoy the amount of like head on table this man gives me the whole time. I don't know how much of your SpongeBob knowledge you have. I actually have quite a bit, thank you. I, I have a child that watches Spongebob, thank you very much. It gives me Squidward in the room. <laughs> I can see that, I get that. Yeah. And what other I mean, to love about that? Anyway, sorry, now we've already gone on for like 10 minutes about a character that we have literally just introduced. I'm sorry, so Squidward is oh, in the that's room. Okay. So we're, we're getting this from Isaiah Tiberian's point of view. He's looking at, at poor Bryce and he's like, she looks like death. I was like, holy crap. That's, wow. That's descriptive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as he says, she is definitely a far cry from the screaming, thrashing female Isaiah and his unit had found in the old square alley. Her dress is ripped, her left thigh gushing enough blood that he wondered if she'd faint. She'd been half wild, either from sheer terror of what had occurred, the grief sinking in, or the drugs that had been coursing through her system. Likely a combination of all three. So, hello, boy, poor Bryce. I mean, yeah. But they do realize that part of the reason why they have her in the room she's in is because with everything that's happened, she is, they're worried she's a danger to herself, and they consider her to be a danger to herself. Well, that, and I also liked what he immediately like notes which is like she's a witness we need to figure out what she knows like right. we need to get a really good statement from her because like we don't know what like what's going on but she clearly is traumatized by something so she better tell us what that something is also she's not a suspect exclamation point big stars underlined she is not a suspect um, right yeah, which is, I think, initially, like, why I was like, okay, well, that's nice. Like, this could be going worse for her. It could be going a whole lot worse, and it's not. So, yes. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> we got that out of the way. <laughs> so, Isaiah talks about counterpart. I think it's the safest way to say it. <laughs> yeah, that works. And as he says in here, and I, I think it's really funny. It took all two centuries of his training on and off the battlefield to avoid flinching at the voice. I know. I love that. Oh, shit. (laughs) Who walked in, right? Like, oh, my God, who the hell walked in? Right. He's like, you know, the angel leaning against the doorway, wearing his usual black battle suit. An angel who reason and history reminded him was an ally, though every instinct roared the opposite. Predator, killer, monster. Hunt, Athelar's angular dark eyes, however, remained fixed on the window on Bryce. And that's that's why I keep laughing, because I don't care who walks in the door, I keep hearing the awful TikTok sound. Well, and then further on, 
Isaiah's like, given what he'd seen Hunt do to his enemies and chosen targets, it, it came as no surprise. Because apparently he has that preternatural stillness that yeah. is really kind of eerie. Well, yeah. Yeah, I made a note that it reminded me of, like, how we hear about Reese early on. Mm-hmm. So, I actually mm-hmm. have a whole note here, if you want to go into the, like, they go into more description about Hunt. <clears throat> Sure. Read that. Go for it. Oh, okay. No, go ahead. So I had just noted here where he was talking about um, Isaiah said, you know, it says Isaiah scanned the angel since Hunter as hell wasn't going to volunteer anything without being prompted. No sign of the skull faced helmet that had earned Hunt a nickname whispered down every corridor and street in Crescent City, the Umbra Mortis, the shadow of death. And I kind of made a note and I said to Kim earlier, maybe I've read too much Lore Olympus lately and probably Electric Idol was not helpful either. Um, but I keep picking up on like notes of like Greek mythology. So I said, <clears throat> unless this analogy is just me basing my, uh, you know, uh, assumptions on nothing uh, uh, other than Greek myths and probably nothing actually on the page. I'm just saying that I sort of feel like if Reese the High Lord of the Night Court is Hades, then I have decided that SJM decided that in her universe, that would make Hunt the Thanatos. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. I would say, honestly, that's a very apt description. Truly. <laughs> if Reese's Hades, then Hunt is Thanatos. Um, that's what I've got exactly. so far. <laughs> well, and that's actually not, that's not off the mark. Glad to know I'm not insane. I mean, I am nope. insane since every single character, every time somebody enters the room, I hear that awful TikTok song in my head. Literally, I'm an idiot, but it's fine. At least I still pick up on some good things. <laughs> Yes. No, it's definitely you're you're right. He's definitely Thanatos. Poor Isaiah is just like, should I be relieved that he's not wearing this crazy helmet? Should I you know, like he's not he's he, poor Isaiah is just like, I'm not really sure what to think or do right now about him. Um and he did acknowledge that no, she has not spoken and at this point there's no order to move her to a different room. They're gonna keep her where she is. Poor Isaiah is just like, oh my goodness. Um, and he finally hands over a file to Hunt, and as he's like, you know, unable to decide whether to be relieved or worried at the absence of Hunt's infamous helmet, Isaiah wordlessly handed Micah's personal assassin a thin file. So Micah is the archangel, if you remember from the last time, and so Hunt is his personal assassin. So I don't know, I think it's a little disturbing that he's literally like, like, Isaiah's a little intimidated by Hunt. I'm thinking for very good reason. Well, and I, th- <laughs> I think that's kind of what also made me keep thinking of Thanatos. <laughs> because, like, I feel like that's, like, a common thing in, like, Lore Olympus, for example, where it's just, like, I mean, you could be, like, brushing your teeth, but if you are literally, like, the basically the bringer of death, then you're still going to be terrifying. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. So I mean, like yeah. From this is basically that like Hunt could be just standing there, like reading the phone book, and it would still be uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, so he he looks at the information about Bryce, and it's kind of important to read because this is some information we haven't totally gotten. Yeah, before. yeah, I flagged it too. So yeah. So it's Bryce Quinlan, twenty three years old, half fae, half human, blood test 
from 10 years ago confirmed she'll have an immortal lifespan. Power rating near negligible. Hasn't made the drop yet. Listed as a full civitas, meaning she's a citizen. Found in the alley with one of our own trying to keep his heart from falling out with her bare hands. It's not... Or whatever she was. No, she was, uh, what was she? Um, mercenary. Yeah, mercenary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to make sure we didn't yeah, get another no. one of those in our hands. <laughs> no, we find out exactly who it is, and there is a reason why it was Hunt and Isaiah that came. Per. Okay. I'll take it. I mean, that means nothing to me, but that's what I get for reading this book on the fly as we record. <laughs> See, everybody, you're really getting a real reaction here. They had both tried to get Bryce up to her feet when they got there, and mm-hmm. the gash in her leg was so bad. With everything that happened, she was emotionally, like, practically feral. And they were trying to get a med witch there to fix her up because the blood was gushing out of the the cut that she had gotten from the beast. Uh, he does acknowledge that it, she had actually had an artery hit, and he was really surprised she hadn't actually, you know, bled out and was dead. Now, right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, she probably still had on her necklace from Jessica. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if she's still wearing an Arkeesian amulet, then that would be why. I'm convinced that's probably the only reason why she's alive. Would make sense. Would make total sense. That's my guess, but, you know. I thought you um, thought she was wearing an amulet. I thought she was wearing plot armor. <laughs> oh my gosh. Tim's learning why we don't record more than one episode at a time. <laughs> Whap. <laughs> no, but your no, your point actually made a lot of sense. I just didn't think about it on like when I was first reading through it. I was just like, yeah, they thought she should have died, but she didn't. Well, that's nice. <laughs> like, I didn't, wasn't that worried about it, but yeah, that would make sense. I'm thinking she had the amulet on because remember Bryce, uh, Bryce, Danica had told her make sure you wear it. Right. So I'm thinking right. she just never took it off when she was hunting for the horn. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So, they were trying to do an emergency thing. She was bleeding so bad that Hunt pulls out his emergency medical kit and he literally staples her leg closed. Yeah, see, I was more focused on that detail, which is why I wasn't worried about why she wasn't bleeding out because I was just like, wow, okay. And apparently as soon as he gets done doing that, he took off to go try and find whatever this was that did this, a demon. They, they're pretty sure it's a demon, but they, anyway. Um. Anyway, so Hunt's going through Bryce's file. Oh, one quick note before we escape this little callback. I mm-hmm. died laughing when it was like <laughs> Hunt had cursed up a storm as he knelt before her and she bucked nearly kicking him in the balls. But then he pulled off his helmet, looked her in the eye and told her to calm the fuck down. And yeah. all I could think about. And then she did. And it's like a whole thing about how she like immediately does. Right. But i Busted out laughing because all I could think about was that um, Grey's Anatomy episode where there's the woman yes. that like witnessed a crash or whatever. Her husband died, I guess, and she's just screaming. She's just screaming in the ER, and they can't mm-hmm. get her to like focus. And so finally, uh, Karev doesn't know what to do, so he just grabs her by the shoulders and screams back at her, and she stops. <laughs> and that's all I could think in this moment was like, yeah, I guess in these situations, like. 
people have no idea what they're doing. So I love the idea that he had to just be like, look me in the eye and calm the fuck down. Pretty much. Wow, I feel like this is really relatable to, well, modern television. <laughs> well, I like how it says in here she just stared and stared at the Umber Mortis. Not that it was Hunt, at the Umber Mortis. Fair. I'm wondering if you use like that kind of, you know how the it, in Ekatar it's referred to as his High Lord voice with Reese? Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder if like Hunt has that as the Umbra where he can kind of oh, put some force behind it and kind of make you shut the fuck up and listen sure. I can do that anyway they're going through her file he's just getting some ideas and then of course I love how he says seems like she's your standard spoiled party girl what a surprise she's Danica Fendir's roommate the party princess herself apparently nobody but the 33rd which is the elite unit of angel soldiers uh would call her that not even the Royals, nobody else but the 34rd um but isaiah's telling hunt keep reading because apparently hunt doesn't know everything that's happened that night keep reading there's more information for you to find to which hunt's response is and i love this holy fucking erd i'm like i like that i like that i may have to like start using that as a cuss i don't know I, i'm thinking about it Hunt's response is, wait, Danica Fendier is dead? Along with the entire pack of devils? Holy fucking erd. To which Isaiah's only response is, it is totally and completely fucked, my friend. I loved this. And Kim, you've heard me say it a hundred times already, so I'm sorry, but I just stand by this conversation if i hadn't already like i thought i didn't realize when we did chapter 25 that i was like prematurely calling this law and order fay unit like i was just being like quippy and making a joke i I mean i had a reason but at the same time i didn't know i didn't know we were gonna like carry on and keep that like as a thing like chapter six so reads to me as a law and order episode and this conversation where they're like standing there talking to each other passing the file being like catching each other up on like what's you know the deal and who she is and what's happening and then just the way this conversation goes down a hundred percent sounds like two cops from the svu unit (laughs) it does it really does i love it i literally have a note here that was like if this had been written like if this had been published literally like six months or one year later i would have been fully convinced that this was written while sjm was binging law and order svu during covid i would have been like those early months of covid none of us knew what we were supposed to be doing nobody wanted to leave the house i would have been like she was binging law and order svu and writing this book at the same time She could have been binging it anyway, just I mean, not because of was. COVID. I just, Who yeah. Knows? Yeah. But I just thought that was, I was like, wow, this conversation, like, I swear, like, word for word feels like an episode from Law or SVU to me. Oh, I agree. So then Isaiah's like, so, kind of looking at him and, you know, yes, it's fucked. And Hunt's like, yeah, I didn't find any traits of the demon who did this. And it was funny because Isaiah's like, yeah, I know. Because if you had, you'd be holding a severed head in your hands right now, not a file. I mean, <laughs> the mental image that 
pains. <laughs> like, all right. I'm like, okay, well, all right then. <laughs> but apparently both Hunt and, and Isaiah are members of Archangel, Archangel, not Angle, Angel. <laughs> <laughs> Micah. <laughs> hey, you never know at this point. Uh his his elite five warrior team, they're called the Triari. They're the most elite of all of the Imperial Legion units, and they're considered Micah because they work for Micah. They're his cabal. So um it's interesting because you get a little bit of history about Isaiah and Hunt and you find out about the the initial rebellion that caused the some of the angels to become slaves to the archangels that I talked about in the last episode. Um, so I just thought it was interesting. Um, they talk about the fact that another one of the angels in the Triari had arrested uh, Briggs. For the murders, right. Right. they can't actually prove it. They've arrested him. Um, so that was, I, I mean, it's kind of a relief. They're like, yeah, he got out and he's already been arrested. They're trying to figure out if he did it. And so then anything, then the question comes up, well, has the press heard about this yet? Because, of course, Danica. And they're like, well, no, not yet. But guaranteed by morning, all hell's going to hit the fan. And this is where I have another post-it where I literally just say again, OMG, I'm obsessed with the law and order feel of it all. <laughs> I kept waiting for that feeling to pass and I was just like, nope, all of chapter six, everything about it. <laughs> yeah, chapter six is very law and order. <laughs> um, so anyway, they go through and then they're trying to figure out how long until Sabine gets there. Now remember, Sabine is Danica's mother. Who we know for a fact is a real piece of work because Danica and her mother did not get along. And apparently Hunt checks his phone and he's like, she's on her way downstairs right now as the door to the room that they're in is kicked open by Sabine. What a time. What a fucking time. And she goes off and her response is, and this is this is so strange. And Kelsey and I are both talking about it. Like, I don't Yeah. But She's all angry. I mean, justifiably so. Her her only child is now dead in ribbons. Mind you, her only child who she did not like in the first place. Correct. But her child. And she's like, where is the half-breed whore? I'll fucking kill her. And I'm like... <laughs> did you get your wires crossed? You, <laughs> like, How can you think she's the one responsible? She had nothing to do with this. Right. Like, what would even make you think that? Like, I don't... Yeah. Nothing about that makes any sense to me. I don't know. The fact that you're so confused tells me that I guess this never gets cleared up. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she starts going off. She, she gets a little threatening. And both Isaiah and Hunt basically have to assert their dominance over her to keep her from causing a problem. Ooh, ooh, are you going to talk about, well, I mean, yeah, it goes with that, like, how they do that, I guess. Are you going to talk about the tattoos? Because I feel, con- like, not confused. I have but not talked about their tattoos yet. I'm getting there. Okay. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, are we going to go there? I didn't want to make sure we weren't going to skip it. Yeah, no, I'm going to go there. <laughs> yeah. I promise. Um, so what it is, is uh, 
So Hunt is on one side of her and he's literally, his power is lightning and strong enough that he can literally, like, he can take down buildings just with the power of his lightning. He can wipe out entire legions with the power of his lightning. He is not a, a small thing to trifle with as far as sure someone in the powers that be. Um, and Isaiah is standing on the other side and they basically have blocked her in because the last thing they need is Sabine going off half cocked or even fully cocked at this point. So Hunt's got lightning flashing around his hands, trying to keep his temper in control, but at the same time intimidate Sabine a little. And Isaiah lets some one of his his breezes, he he has he can control wind and air and all. So he's letting a breeze go through and just kind of reminding Sabine that, hey, we're here, but he's also it's a way to let Hunt know that he's got his back. And it leads into this, and this is what you were asking about. They'd always yeah. worked well together. Micah had known it when he put Hunt with Isaiah two years ago, despite the entwined thorns tattooed across both their brows. Most of Hunt's mark was hidden by his dark hair, but there was no concealing the thin black band on his forehead. Isaiah could barely remember what his friend had looked like before those Pangeran witches had branded him, working their infernal spells into the ink itself so that they might never let his crimes be forgotten, so that the witch magic bound the majority of his power. The halo, they called it. A mockery of the divine auras early humans had once portrayed angels as possessing. And he continues to go on and explain, there's no hiding it. The tattoo is the same as one on Hunt's and on the brows of the nearly 2,000 rebel angels who had been such idealistic, brave fools two centuries ago. And they go into the whole thing about the rebellion and why it failed. Um, that they had, they had supported an archangel, Shahar, and they called her Daystar, and her sister uh, was the Night Star. You know, it's just kind of interesting. And and then he makes a comment about you know he likens this to to what's going on with the humans with their rebellion now. And I like his little comment in here about it because it's, it's an interesting things he, that he says, he's like, when the human rebels had started their war, one of the idiots should have asked the fallen angels how their rebellion had failed long before those humans were even born. Isaiah certainly could have given them some pointers on what not to do and enlightened them about the consequences. So I find it very interesting um, that Isaiah even would say that because, I mean, yeah, he's a fallen angel, but he's kind of Micah's right hand guy, and you know, so it it makes you wonder what's going on in Isaiah's head at times. Well, um, and I thought that was so interesting, but then kind of going back on the tattoo thing, I also thought that was interesting because of how we know how that works in the Akatar universe and how that's like a little mm-hmm. bit different. And so then mm-hmm. my question too was again, without being too spoilery, like how does it like. Does it work a similar or third different way in TOG? Totally different. Yeah, I just think that's so interesting that like it's used in all three, but it's not used in the same way. Anyway, I just think that's fascinating. Totally different in TOG. Yeah, interesting. Just thought I'd throw mm-hmm. it out there. 
Just because, just because it's like so prevalent, like because it's so obviously prevalent in her characters in her books. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. No, I get it. I totally. So get I just it. thought it was interesting. No, it is. It's very interesting. Um, apparently, the angels who are slaves who have these horrible thorn tattoo halos also have another tattoo on their right wrists that says SPQM. And I feel for them because that SPQM, they could lose their arm, regenerate their arm, and that tattoo will still be there until right. it's removed. Um, so I just found that interesting that they have two tattoos that they have to wear, the one on the forehead as well as the one on their wrist. Right. Um, and it designates them as property of the Republic to be owned by high-ranking officials within the Republic and or the Esteri, which are the ruling class. So they're they're like, Isaiah finally is, gets to the point with Sabine and he's like, we know you're upset. We know that, you know, you're, you're hurting because your daughter has, has been found dead. Um, but why do you want Bryce dead? Like, why? Fair question, right? Like, why? And of course, Sabine's response is, she took the sword. That wannabe wolf took Danica's sword. I know she did. It's not at the apartment and it's mine. It's not yours and it's not at the apartment, but it's not in her hand either. She did not take it from the apartment. We know where it is. <sighs> right, but Sabine doesn't. No, I know, but I just, I guess this goes back to my whole thing about like, I still don't understand what Sabine thinks though, because like, you can't even pretend that that's why she walked in mad. You know what I mean? Because I mean, that is why she made like part of what made her mad, but she was actually insinuating that like Bryce is why her daughter's dead. What she thinks she did? Like kill her daughter and take her sword? (laughs) Right. Bryce has that kind of power. Yeah. Like what? Don't understand. Like. Even if you're mad because you think Bryce has the sword, that's like kind of a secondary, like lesser part of this. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And so then Bryce is like, so then she's, so Isaiah's like, what does the sword have to do with Danica's death? I mean, fair question, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes, I like where his thought process is going. That's why I was saying I like him because I feel like in this chapter, he's just basically being like really straightforward. Like, Ma'am, you are making little to no sense. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> True. And in this this chapter, he is being very straightforward. <laughs> so then Sabine answers with, Danica couldn't stay out of trouble. She never could keep her mouth shut and know when to be quiet around her enemies. And look what became of her. That stupid little bitch in there is still breathing and Danica is not. Danica should have known better. And Hunt is like, known better about what (laughs) and Sabine's like all of it starting with that slut of a roommate and then she whirls on Isaiah and she's like tell me everything I love response response with he doesn't have to tell you shit Fendir as commander of the 33rd Imperial Legion Isaiah held an equal rank to Sabine they both sat on the same governing councils answered both to males of power within their own ranks and their own houses and then she's like, did I fucking speak to you, Athelar? And Isaiah's trying to be a little bit of the peacemaker here. And he's like, we're, we're still getting the reports in. Victoria's coming to talk to Miss Quinlan right now. And Sabine's like, I'll talk to her. Yeah. It's like a whole and thing. They're just both like, okay, nope, 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 nope. And 
at this point, Victoria literally approaches. And she's and fascinating. She's absolutely fascinating. And she's all done up in a suit, looking all spiffy. Isaiah's in a suit, too, by the way, not in armor of any kind. Right. Again. And yeah. I like how she's described. Me, too. As Victoria... As Victoria made her graceful approach, Bryce gave no acknowledgement of the stunning female who usually made people of all houses do a double take. But Bryce had been that way for hours now. I'm like, oh my gosh. So then it says, Victoria sniffed delicately, pale eyes narrowing between Halo's dark tattoo on her brow. The Wraith had been one of the few non-Malakim who had rebelled with them two centuries ago. She'd been given to Micah soon afterward, and her punishment had gone beyond the brow tattoo and slave markings. Not nearly as brutal as what Isaiah and Hunt had endured in the Asteri's dungeons and then in various Archangel's dungeons for years afterwards, but its own form of torment that lasted even when their own had stopped. So we know she's a wraith, and she's politely trying to talk to Bryce, who is completely non-responsive. And she's like, can you tell me who is responsible for the bloodshed? Nothing. So she's a wraith. And in this case, Say remember so. we talk about the ghosty girls. Right. And Akatar, because they're half wraith. Right. Well, she is a wraith. And in this case, they to have a corporeal, a, a corporeal form, they she has to actually take a body. Which I think is so interesting. And because of that, I mean, I don't want to be in her situation. Her situation sounds awful. But I want to be a wraith. I want to change bodies for punsies. <laughs> no shit. I'm like, dang, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I'd add a couple of inches. Yeah, exactly. Like, damn, that's awesome. Drop some weight. Hey, yeah, that'd be a great way to do it, wouldn't it? They were talking about this. And of course, at this point, Bryce is not responding to Vic. She's not responding to anyone or anything. And Hunt is like, she's gone into shock. And she's not going to talk. And then Victoria opens up a file and she's like, I, for one, believe you are not in full control of your body or actions right now. And which- like, if you believe that, why do you keep fucking talking after this point? I don't like what? Right. Like. But apparently she decides to read a list of the cocktail of drugs and alcohol. Yeah. That, as Isaiah says, should stop a human's heart dead. Stop a lesser vein near's heart, too, for that matter. To which Hunt's response to it all is, is is there anything she didn't snort or smoke tonight? I know, which is sort of how I felt reading chapters, like, what was that, chapter four? So, I mean, I sort of feel that. Sabine, you're going to have to go upstairs to complete some paperwork. (laughs) If you want time to yourself, you can take it, but you're going to need to sign it. Sabine's like, fuck signing things, fuck time to myself, crucify the bitch if you have to, but get her to give a statement. And then she walks out, and both Isaiah and Hunt are like, oh, good God. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, please go anywhere but here. Because Hunt's a little pissy at this point, and you can tell, and yeah, he does finally to- remember she needs to get the hell out of Dodge before Hunt loses his shit. Yeah, he's like those commercials where they say, like, you need a Snickers. But I find it interesting because Isaiah observes Hunt as she's leaving. Hunt smiled at her disappearing figure. A target marked. Not today. 
not even tomorrow, but at one point in the future. It's like, oh, well, there you go. Good job. Good job, Sabine. And then Victoria is talking to Bryce and they get back to it. And they're like, we have video footage from the White Raven confirming your whereabouts. And we have footage of you walking home. So apparently she walked home from the White Raven. So that's good. We at least know she walked home. It would probably explain why her feet hurt. Sure. Um, but they can prove that she is not the one who was there when the crimes were committed. Like at least that by doing that it does you know the the cctv and leniathan and crescent city has basically proved that she is nowhere near guilty in any way shape or form um and then they start talking about the fact that there are cameras everywhere except for the fact that in their building their landlord had not replaced any of the cameras so only one camera had worked but it wasn't even the camera it was just the audio and it picked up the sounds of the screaming and the fighting and the pack of devils dying like in law and order and real life always seems to be the case i do find myself often wondering when i read news articles like how was there not a camera that picked this up and the answer is apparently nobody ever actually updates any of those cameras (laughs) well and in this case the cameras just weren't even working like the only one that worked all it had was audio that's what i'm saying so nobody ever even like bothered to like do any maintenance (laughs) right and because the phones had been destroyed in the fight, not even any message of any kind had gotten out to anyone. So, like, even if they had tried to send a message to text someone, it hadn't gone out. And then Victoria's like, what we don't have footage of is what happened to that apartment. Can you tell me? I don't know if that's the best question they should be asking, Bryce, but okay. Well, right. And I Bryce feel like is finally Bryce kinda... a lot more information than she does. Victoria? Yeah, like I feel like Victoria is assuming Bryce has a lot more information than she does, which is weird because we know she's drugged out of her mind. So like, even if she saw more than she did, would she be able to give you an accurate description? Like, I don't know if it matters. Okay. Like once you once you read the cocktail menu of her night, <laughs> sort of feel like your questioning's done. Like. None of the rest of this is going to matter anymore. So then Hunt is asking Isaiah, where is Bryce's family? And he's like, Isaiah answers, you know, her mother lives with her stepfather in one of the mountain towns up north. Sire wasn't registered or refused to acknowledge paternity. Faye, obviously. And likely one with some standing since he bothered to get her civitas status. To which Hunt is like, okay, but have her human parents been notified? And Isaiah's like, yes, and they should be in the air on their way here within an hour. They get back to where Victoria's with her, and Victoria's like, can you describe the creature that attacked your friends? But at this point, Bryce disappears again. Like, any recognition she had had, gone. They do explain that the demon had moved faster than the wind and had known to keep out of the lens range. They hadn't been able to ID it yet. Even Hunt's extensive knowledge hadn't helped. All they had of it was a vague grayish blur no slowdown could clarify and Bryce Quinlan charging barefoot through the city streets. Yeah. And Hunt's like, look, she's not going to talk. We're wasting our time. Why yeah. We're wasting our time. And then they get back to Victoria trying to talk to Bryce again and, and she's like, we're really trying to find out who did this. Can you give us the information that we need? And then she's like, look, I want to help you. I want to find out who did this so we can punish them. So then Victoria 
reaches in her pocket, she pulls out a phone, they open up a she opens up a series of, of messages and she's like, We downloaded the data from your phone. Can you walk me through these? These being the text messages. Which just feels Bryce- so unnecessary. I agree that you know these are the text messages between Bryce and Connor, between Bryce and and Danica. Yeah. Um you and know, honestly, the whole thing. And like honestly, y'all can just like read them, but it doesn't even seem to matter because it's really just <laughs> whatever you think it sounds like when drunk people text each other. A lot of caps lock, a lot of <laughs> no you bitch, no you bitch. Like <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. a lot of back and forth. I mean, it does set up, I guess, a timeline slightly in the sense that, like, it's trying to establish, I guess, that, like, Danica and Connor were going to leave soon to head to the club. Right. The, the, the show they were all watching, hanging out watching was over. Right. Bryce was not responding. And, of course, Danica couldn't get Fury to respond, and she didn't even bother with Juniper, because apparently Juniper didn't have her phone. And then she's like, should I come to the club? The pack's leaving in 10. Stop fucking strangers in the bathroom, because Connor's coming with me. And, you know, they're like, we're leaving in five. See you soon, cocksucker. Light it up. And that is the last message from Danica. And like I said, I don't know what purpose this serves, given the fact <laughs> given the fact that Isaiah was very clear that she's not a suspect. Right. So I don't um, know this what purpose this serves. I mean, it vaguely sets up a timeline in that, like, as a angel cop, you can look at the timestamp on this message and know that if they said, oh, we're leaving in five minutes and they never successfully left, then you know about what time the attack happened. Right. But barring that, like, but that has nothing to do with Bryce. Like, Bryce doesn't need to read these messages for that to be the case. Right. And not only that, but Bryce literally, I mean, they have they have her on camera. They know she wasn't there. She had nothing to do with it. Like, it doesn't even make sense. Because you can match the timestamp on the text messages to the, t- the timestamps on the camera right. footage. So what the fuck? Why are you doing this? Like, why are you you fucking with her head like this? And that's really honestly what Victoria is doing. Yeah. And so then Victoria's like, oh, well, we have the audio from the camera that recorded things. Shall I play it? And so she starts to play it. And you hear the entire pack of devils fighting and screaming and pleading for their lives as they beg, as Danica is begging Hunt is suddenly like, y'all gotta turn turn it off now. Shit's about to hit the fan. Um, Because it just, it goes from bad to worse. You can read the description of everything that's going. And then Hunt goes barreling into the room because Vic has got to turn this off. Like, it's got to stop. You can't continue to do this. As soon as they step into the room, because Isaiah's right behind him, Bryce explodes. Literally. She, in a fit of complete anger and rage, picks up the table and throws it and throws the chair, throws the chair hard enough she dented it. And then she starts puking because I'm guessing between the drugs and the anger and just the emotional angst, I've been there. I've been so upset I've thrown up. So I'm sure it's a combination. She continues to puke. She's on the floor. And as, as 
Isaiah acknowledges she was half a she was assessed at a peril level barely on the grid but what she just done to the table and chair pure physical rage even the most aloof of the fae couldn't halt an eruption of primal wrath when it finally overtook them so at least they're acknowledging that victoria had pushed her beyond her limit well and meanwhile while isaiah is too busy like thinking all of this in his head being like uh, duh, 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 while he stands in the room <laughs> presumably right. i don't know what the fuck isaiah is doing but um hunt actually like does something about it yeah, Hunt actually gets off his ass and he goes and he does something about it. He goes over to her and then he's like, he looks at everything she just did and he's like, impressive. And they finally get a response out of her, which is, I want to go home. Okay, but I'm sorry. And this is the note. Remember when I said sometimes before we... So guys, you have to understand, Kim and I get on and we chat before we hit record. So sometimes I tell her things and then we record and I repeat myself for your sake. Um, but this one I was really excited because I forgot I made this note and I didn't tell her at the time. Uh, I have a note here where it's like Hunt kneels down to her and he says, Hey, and he's like, kneel, like he's kneeling down beside her. And then he like motions around the room and he says, impressive. Right. And so I put a note here that says, I've decided that Hunt gives me Flynn Rider vibes to change my mind. Um, I can't. <laughs> so he gives me Flynn Rider vibes. It changed my mind. Um, and just to throw this out there because I don't know the validity of it, but I thought it was fascinating. The reason I think I thought of this, well, part I thought of this because of the delivery. The hey, impressive, reminded me of that part where he like does the eyebrow wiggle, and she's like, "What?" And he's like, "Oh, sorry. Usually that works." <laughs> So like it just like that kind of like I don't know I, I don't even know what you call that just like display of like I don't know maleness uh cracked me up and then I feel like it's because the video I watched recently said that apparently Disney when creating the character Flynn Rider brought all of their and this is the part that I can't like verify the validity so hear me out but I have no idea Apparently Disney brought together like all of their female writers and editors that were going to be like working on the project and had worked on like other Disney like princess movies. Mm -hmm. And they basically made them discuss in detail like what makes the perfect man. (laughs) And like what does that look like? What does that sound like? Like every single detail. And like Flynn Rider is what they came up with like from that. Funny. That's awesome. And so I just laughed because I was like, I feel like Hunt is hitting a lot of the same things. Like, if you watch the little video about it, like, a lot of the women had pointed out for the Flynn Rider <laughs> Like I told you, I can't. I can't change your mind. Yeah. So anyway, just thought I'd share. So Bryce has finally spoken and she wants to go home. And Isaiah is like, you can't. It's an active crime scene. God. Well, hey, guess what? I now have a new earworm stuck in my head. I don't have to have, well, I'm going to get my old fucking earworm stuck in my head in a minute because he's really going to walk through the door this time. But um, no, now I have, I want to go home, oh, 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 from SpongeBob stuck in my head. Dear Lord, you're a mess tonight. Oh, goodness. The fucking earworms, man. <laughs> So then, and then of course, Isaiah continues. He's like, it's not safe for you to return until we found who did this and why. 
And then Which Bryce is finally good. like, does Sabine? <laughs> yeah. And Isaiah's like, yes. Everybody who is in Danica's life has been notified. And poor Bryce. I mean, she just, I, I, I feel for her. I really do. I cannot imagine what she's going through. And Hunt is like, we can move you to a room with a cot and a bathroom and get you some clothes. Then Isaiah's phone rings. Like, talk about <laughs> timing. Perfect timing. And yeah. Isaiah answers. And all of the he hears on the other end is, let the girl go right now. Get her out of this building. And for all of our sakes, do not put anyone on her tail, especially Hunt. Oh, shit. I just like Isaiah. He's like, why? <laughs> He's like, why? Yeah, exactly. He's like, the why? governor gave us an opposite o- order. <laughs> and it's Naomi on the other end. And she's like, I got a phone call from Rune fucking Danon. And he is livid that we didn't notify Sky and Breath about bringing in the girl. Says it falls under the phase jurisdiction and whatever the fuck else. So screw what the governor wants. He'll thank us later for avoiding this enormous fucking headache. Let the girl go now. She can come back in with a Faye or escort if that's what those assholes want. Now the original TikTok earworm is back. Great, great, fabulous. Love that for me. Sorry. So there's... For, for the record, by the way, you've got three of the triari in the room and you've got a fourth on the phone yeah <laughs> there's only one more triari missing what the hell <clears throat> yeah and it's like just do it Nate, isaiah <laughs> like don't give a shit if that's what you think go so then isaiah's like okay fine you're free to go and bryce manages to get up on her feet far more steady than they thought i'm also thinking some of the alcohol and drugs were purged when she puked several times yeah so she's suddenly feeling a little sober yeah, you know, she does have magic fey blood that, that's going to clear shit out of her system. And they're like, we do have a med witch on site because, you know, her leg is still kind of oozing blood. Bryce just ignores him. She she goes out. She's limping, but she walks out. And the next thing they know, footsteps sound down the hall, approaching fast. Definitely not Bryce's. And both Isaiah and Hunt are like, we're going to go ahead and get our hands ready for our weapons. We're not totally sure who's coming, but it doesn't sound like this is going to be a good thing. At which point, a dark-haired faint male bursts through the interrogation room door, even with the silver hoop through his lower lip, even with the one side of his long raven black hair buzzed, even with the sleeves of tattoos beneath the leather jacket, there was no disguising the heritage of the strikingly handsome face broadcasted. Rune Dannon, crown prince of the Valbaran Fey, son of the Autumn King, and the current possessor of the Star Sword, fabled Dark Blade of the Ancient Starborn Fey. Hmm. We know of another Dark Blade in another series. Hmm. Hmm. It's called Truth Teller. Proof of the prince's chosen one status among the Fae. Oops. Maybe now I can finally get that earworm out of my head. Guys, this is what you get if I make you TikToks. Go to TikTok and watch my fucking video so I can get this damn Rudanin earworm out of my head. Okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. We can do that. <laughs> because I'm really tired of hearing it every time somebody busts in a room. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha 
Rune's only question is, where the fuck is she? <laughs> not hello, not anything. Where the fuck is she? <laughs> okay, which I just want to, like, note that for a second because I have a point to make in a minute. But, like, remember that that's, like, how he busts in here and what he says. Because I feel like that's important for a point I'm about to make. <laughs> yeah. So Isaiah's <laughs> like, Bryce has been released. We just sent her upstairs a few minutes ago. Hunt looks at Rune and he's like, well, what's it to you? And Rune's like, she's my cousin, asshole. We take care of our own. A distant cousin since the Autumn King had no siblings, but apparently the prince knew Bryce well enough to intervene. Hunt threw Rune a grin. Where were you tonight? Fuck you, Athelar. I suppose you heard that Danica and I got into it over Briggs at the head meeting. What a lead. Good job. If I wanted to kill Danica, I wouldn't summon a fucking demon to do it. Where the fuck is Briggs? I want to talk to him. Yeah, he's like a whole lot. Like He is. He's a whole fucking lot. He's kind of, he reminds me of a weird mix of like, all three of our bat boys. Uh-huh. I wouldn't necessarily say the good parts. <laughs> I'm just saying he reminds me of a mix of them. I didn't say what parts. I said a mix of them. Fair. Work with me. Fair. To which I love this. They're like, so, you know, can you tell us if, if her behavior before the murder tonight was unusual? Or, you know, they're trying to get some information and Rune's like, the Raven's owner told me she was drunk and it snorted a pile of light seeker. But you'll find Bryce with that kind of shit in her system at least one night a week. And then Isaiah's like, well, why does she do it? And Rune's like, she does what she wants. She always has. And Hunt's okay, like, oh, how close are you two? I was going to say, yeah, it's this chunk that my brain was like, wow, okay. Because we've, like, he immediately announces, I mean, we already know he's lying because we've read chapters one through five, but uh, we know that like, they're yeah. siblings, half right. siblings, but we know right. they're siblings. siblings. Right. But he says my cousin, but he says that like, as soon as he comes in, right. That's basically the first mm -hmm. thing he says, but actually the first thing he says, and I, this, this is why this matters because the first thing is he says is like, where the fuck is she? And then he, he's like, blah, blah, blah. She's my cousin. I think that's how we end up with this confusion where Hunt's like, just how close are you to? And Rune's like, if you're, if you're asking if I'm fucking her, the answer, asshole, is no. She's family. And I just had to die laughing because I was like, I think the failure here was by busting into a room asking where the fuck is she? Because as all of us know, that is pretty much exactly under the whole, like, you know, uh, uh, enemies to lovers uh, eventually, like, you know... Mm -hmm. um, bad guy saves sad girl situation. So I feel like... If even these two are or like siblings or siblings if you know that they're siblings yeah but they don't know that and also I know. I, yeah but it just i think that was the big failure <laughs> i agree coming in asking where the fuck she is but it is still funny because he immediately after asking that does clear it up and say she's my cousin and i just think it's hysterical to me that these two are like oh are you fucking your cousin and he's like no <laughs> like what she's family why the fuck would i fuck my cousin I, Ew. Like, I, I feel like i mean it's funny because like in the akatar universe i feel like there'd be some argument for like the fact that like it's supposed to be kind of a more um 
ye olden day type society where like maybe marrying your cousin is half normal. I feel right. like in this one, what we just learned is, nope, that would be fucking weird. <laughs> so this is essentially like asking somebody today, oh, are you sleeping with your cousin? And everybody no. today would be like, are you high? <laughs> like, <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Which I just love. He's just like, um, no. <laughs> yeah. I am not. Thank you. Pretty much. I mean, then he basically makes a West Virginia joke, though. <laughs> it's basically like, yeah, yeah they're too, like, distance family, so, like, don't they, like, to keep their bloodlines intact and all that. So he basically makes a West Virginia joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the favorite. It does not go over with Rune at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we get a lot of asshole blah, blah, blah on this page. Yeah. yeah they, 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 they spar a little. And so finally, Ruin is like, just stay the fuck away from her. And he goes out after her. And so as soon as he finally got, I love this. It's like, are these nanobots? I'm convinced. I don't know. I know. Um, he turns around and he looks at Isaiah and he's like, the tracking device in the water Quinlan drink when she got here. What's the time frame on it? So, I mean, we must have nanobots in the water for a tracking device to be in water. I know. I thought that was so funny. I my note just says like, I mean, not the most ethical way of doing things, but effective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Isaiah's like three days, but Hunt says something really interesting. Danica Fendier was one of the strongest veneer in the city, even without making the drop. She begged like a human at the end. And then he's like, I don't know of a demon that kills like that or disappears that easily. I couldn't find a trace. It's like it vanished back to hell. And I find that mildly disturbing because we know that Hunt's specialty is tracking down demons and sending them back to the realm of hell that they came from. So, holy shit. He's the Buffy of this land. (laughs) Yes. And then some. They're kind of like, look. After the three days, if we don't come up with anything on Bryce, you know, Isaiah's finally like, look, if she's smart, she's going to lie low and not attract the attention of any other powerful immortals for the rest of her life. And that's the, the chapter, end of chapter seven six. happens. And clearly, she does not do that. <laughs> chapter seven, it might as well read like this, Kim. Chapter six ends, if she's smart, mm-hmm. she'll lie low and not attract the attention of any other powerful immortals for the rest of her life. Chapter 7, narrator. And she did not do that. (laughs) True. Very true. Because we're at chapter 7. And uh, we find out that Bryce has gotten herself to the bone quarter. Um, And she's kneeling in front of the gate at the bone quarter. And I like how she said she'd left behind any mortal possessions. They would have had they had, would have no value here among the reapers and the dead. She'd been glad to leave them, especially her phone, so full of anger and hatred. Ethan's auto mail, which is voicemail, had come only an hour ago. His words had lingered. Don't come to the sailing tomorrow. You're not welcome there. And I'm like. All right, I have to stop for a minute. I mean, 
why? Why is why is she suddenly like the redheaded stepchild that you don't invite to anything when she didn't do anything? Yeah, I, mean, I can't. Fuck, yeah, she been there. She'd been dead either. I can't figure out why she, they act like Bryce's existence has anything to do with what happened to Danica. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. Right, I don't get it either. And I'm just like, um, um, okay. Like, they were such close as sisters. So what would, like, your sibling have to do with how this happened? You know what I mean? Right. If anything, if Bryce had been home, she'd just be dead, too. Exactly. Like, what does that serve? Like really, Ethan? Thanks. You're you're a chum. Yes, you lost your your pack. Yes, you lost your brother. Yes, like I get it. I get your grieving, but dude, up until this point, you and Bryce were tight. So I don't get, like I don't get why you suddenly have done a one eighty on her. Um, and so D- Bryce is acknowledging that Danica's sailing would commence at dawn. The sailings for the rest of the pack would follow. Bryce would not be there to witness them. Even without the wolves banning her from it, she couldn't have endured it to see the black boat pushed from the dock, all that was left of Danica with it, her soul to be judged either worthy or unworthy of entering the sacred isle across the river. As I pointed out to you earlier, basically a river stick situation. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Basically, basically. And as Bryce is thinking about this, she acknowledges that a light had gone out inside of her. And the light had definitely, it had been extinguished. Yeah. And so she's still kneeling. Her head is bowed. And she, as it says, she was not welcome at the sailing. She had to come here to say goodbye, to give Danica this one last thing. The creature that dwelt in the mist emerged and even the river at her back trembled. Bryce opened her eyes and slowly lifted her gaze. And that is the end of chapter seven. So chapter seven is yeah. a page. Yeah, a it's page. literally in the in the hardback, it's one page front and back. Yeah. It's I don't know, it's such an interesting way to end like part one. Mm-hmm. Like my note literally is like, okay, like yeah, a successfully sucked me in. But you and I had also talked offline about how like in fairness, incomplete like fairness, I between chapter six being law and order bay unit. Chapter seven being whatever that was, which was like not enough information to actually tell me what it was, but just enough information to like suck me in. I'm like super down to like start part two. However, I will admit that this chapter seven, that is one page front and back, don't mean a whole hell of a lot to any of us. Period is the end of that sentence. But like, Means even less to us, like, Kim, you've read the book, so, like, you have more to go off of. But, like, the rest of us are sitting here going, hmm, the phone quarter. You could have also just said Timbuktu. Like, it doesn't mean anything to us. Like, we can look at the little map in the front of this, but, like, we still don't know what the hell she's talking about. And, like, I made the whole River Sticks, th- like, connection. And, like, you and I have talked, you know, I was making the Thanatos mm-hmm. joke earlier. And, and you know, um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there is, like, that island like in the whole like the whole underworld situation where there's like the island more Mm -hmm. or less that like Mm -hmm. persephone builds for 
the humans who do well, like do good. And then when they die, they don't have to just like, you know, chill. They can like come across the river sticks and go to their cool little Island. Anyway, the point is I'm reading into this one page of chapter seven based on like my Greek mythology knowledge. But like, if you don't have that, I'm not sure that chapter seven means anything to you. So in complete fairness, my point is, if you made it this far and then you put the book down and you never picked it back up again, like, I hope you will now and you will read it with us, but I do understand. <laughs> I do too. I mean, it is pretty obscure. Um, I like mythology. I like these weird kind of random references. Um, this book definitely has a lot of not only Greek mythology, it's very heavily overtoned by Greek mythology, but it also has a lot of biblical references and mythology yes. oh my, in yes. it too. And Which so, is another thing that in fairness also if that turns turn off. Right, that could be a turnoff. I'll be honest from from a historian point of view you know and, and I have a background as a you know I have a background in historic preservation so for me it makes sense you know that I look at it with the eye of a historian and I can see it and I appreciate it for what it is. I, I, I appreciate the information I can glean out of it um, about the characters, about the type of people they are, right. um, etc. That being said, if it's not somebody's cup of tea, I could see where it would be very upsetting and possibly even offensive. Right, right. So I guess what and I'm I trying to that. say is I... I'm totally sucked in. I'm super excited to start part two next week. Uh, I'm super enjoying it. But I will give that there was a lot of, not so much now, you know, the book is, this book's already almost two years old. Um, mm-hmm. So I understand, you know, now you wouldn't really pick it up without having some basic knowledge of what Crescent City is going to be. But I can see the argument of why there were people who were very, frustrated when this book came out immediately following like Akatar and TOG because if if that's what you showed up for uh I could see how the you know like sex drugs and rock and roll aspect and then the 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 trauma of chapter five immediately followed by law and order and then a two-page chapter that doesn't make a lot of sense I could see how that was like kind of too much (laughs) Right. No, I agree. It's a lot. I I can see why some people put this book down about here and gave up. I truly can. Like, I'm enjoying it. I hope that some of you who did that in the past may be willing to, like, pick it up again. But I I just, I did want to, like, say I see those people and I do, um, like, understand. (laughs) You know, same. And, you know, I told you earlier when we were talking, and I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll put this out there for everybody else. You know, when I first read it, when it first came out, and several of my friends were reading it too, um, the, a lot of us were struggling to get through the first third of this. Not even like, right. I mean, this was hard, but then just to continue on. We were really struggling with it. Um, but, and Kelsey made a really valid point when we were talking earlier about this, which was, you know, we're used to, you know, if you're used to very traditional fantasy world, right. like, Tolkien like you know when you think of fairies it's kind of a weird like medieval supernatural world so to speak basically the spring court and the renaissance festival are the same thing (laughs) right you know I mean it's it's a weird mix and so if that's what your mental image is of what fantasy is when you're dealing with 
Faye right. and all of this. Yeah, I can get why this could be very off-putting. And I didn't see it then, but I see it now where I think that's where some of us were struggling is, is because we're dealing with a modern fantasy. We're dealing with urban fantasy and you have all these other characters, but just, it was so night and day, especially coming from the other two series. This world is nothing like anything in Throne of Glass or in Akatar. And so when you're used to that and you're you're here, it's just it's a real it's a real mind fuck. Well, I also go, think the there's hell? I also think there's something to be said for like how you relate to a character and how probably a good chunk of us read fantasy as an escape uh, mm-hmm. method. I, I think one of the things that you lose in this book is kind of that escape. Uh, like I said, it, I keep, you know, bringing up law and order. Um, but it also like, so we now know, you know, definitively she's 23. Um, she admitted that she should probably be like over like the drug club scene, but she's not. Um, right. She doesn't have a whole lot of like direction for her life. She has very like vague direction. I mean, she's very where you're at when you like initially like are finishing up college or leaving college. And I like see that I hear that that is valid. And for somebody who is there, maybe this reads great for them, but also this may read horrible for them. You know what I mean? Like this, yeah. like, here's the thing. When you crack open Akatar and you're reading about somebody who has a bow and arrow and they just like, you know, shoot a giant wolf. You're there's nothing in your life that relates to that. <laughs> You're just like, no, you're sure, right. Absolutely. You on this ride. Mm-hmm. Sure we are. Sure we are. But then if you're reading a book about a woman who literally like does drugs and then comes home to her roommate dead, that could actually happen to you. It could. You know what I mean? And I think that that kind of is a different feel. You know, like I said, if you're reading these things absolutely. for escapism, this does not successfully give you escapism. No, it doesn't. And, you know, it's definitely something, you know, it's definitely, it's a different kind of escapism. It's a different kind of world and it's a different kind of world building. So just, you know, hang in there. If, if you know, we, we get you, we see you. If it, this is something you can't continue with, we, we do get it. We understand. But we hope you hang in there with us because we're both really excited to continue on. Exactly. So with Matt, Kim, want to hit us with some songs? Sure. We have a lot of songs because we have seven chapters worth of songs to put in here. So song number one is Best Friend by Sawidi and Doja Cat. It's describing Bryce and Danica. Song number two is Best Friend by Foster the People. Again, describing Bryce and Danica. Song number three is Boss Bitch by Doja Cat. Uh, it's one, it's a reference to Jessica and, and how she can be, but it's also kind of a nod to both Bryce and Danica and their attitudes and, you know, the kind of willingness to kind of F you to life in a way at times, their irreverence. Song four is Light It Up by Robin Houston, Toby Morrow, and Jex. And it's, of course, Danica and Bryce, um, Specifically, as Danica is yelling at Bryce when she's walking out to go on her date, light it up, bitch. Um, just a lot of fun there. Song five, Kelsey actually had this one, and I have to agree with it. It was a great choice. Is If I Had You by Adam Lambert. And it's uh, about Con- Connor and his texts yeah. to Bryce at uh, dinner in and before they go into the club. And then even throughout the club when they're they're, you know, 
Bryce's. Yeah, it's just got a hell of a beat for a club. (laughs) Yeah. And then song six is Meet Me at Our Spot by The Anxiety, Willow, and Tyler Cole. And of course, that's Bryce, the Fury, and Juniper after she leaves her date read to come meet her at the club because they're going to party. Uh, song seven is Sex, Drugs, Etc. by Beachweather. I think we can go with the obvious reason why I picked this song. Um, you know, they're all, you know, between the myth root, the mirth root, and the light seeker and the alcohol. It was kind of an obvious choice. Uh, song eight is We Are Young by Fun and featuring Janelle Monet, And it's when they're at the club. Again, the whole dancing it's got a great beat but it's also the partying and and all of that song number nine is nightmare by halsey and it's bryce at her apartment after uh she she gets back from the club uh 10 is pieces by andrew bell again bryce at the apartment as she is surveying the aftermath of what happened 11 is Too Late to Say Goodbye by Cage the Elephant. And again, it's Bryce at the apartment really realizing what's happened and what's going on. And she has no way to to say goodbye because there isn't anything left of any of them to say goodbye to, to be very honest. Um, song 12 is Numb by Marina. And it's Bryce uh, when she's in the interrogation room because she is just totally comatose. And then song 13 is The Blackest Day by Lana Del Rey. And it's Bryce at the Bone Quarter at the end of chapter 7. And those are our 13 songs. Great job. Good job, good job. And then uh, you can check out our uh, TikTok so that you can hear that little earworm. Add that to your playlist. Yes. (laughs) So I'll start with that for our socials this time, which is at Massive. Okay. <laughs> and then, of course, all the usuals. Website at MassiveFanBookClub.com, Facebook at Massive Fans Book Club and Podcast, Twitter at Massive Podcast, Instagram at Massive Fans Podcast, and Pinterest at Massive Fans. That's super exciting and to start part two next week. Yeah, I know. Me too. I'm so excited. All right. So for now, enjoy this little short episode and, you know, hit us up with any thoughts, comments, questions on any of our socials. Reach out to us on our on our web page. However you all want to do it, you can certainly contact us. We love hearing from you and we will talk at you soon. You'll hear the next episode. So episode three will drop on Tuesday and going forward, Crescent City Books will drop uh, the podcast episodes will drop on Tuesdays. Okay. Okay, I think that's about it. So, bye!